WJMS Media is the proud Raise Your Voice media sponsor for the American Lung Association's 8th Annual Lung Force Walk New York City, taking place on Saturday, May 21st at Pier 16 at the South Street Seaport in Manhattan. Walk with us to raise critical awareness and funds to end lung cancer and other chronic lung diseases. For more information on how to register for free or donate, visit www.lungforce.org NYC. Because when you can't breathe, nothing else matters. One, two, three, let's go. You're listening to WJMS Media, where media is reimagined. You can find us on our Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. The views and opinions expressed by any guest or host of WJMS Media do not reflect the beliefs of its owners or associates. No liability, explicit or implied, should be extended to WJMS Media or its show hosts, whose words, advice, and or opinions appear from or on our website or on air. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Are we on the air? This is WJMS Media. Jam. This chick is a sick individual. You're tuned in to Sound Off with your girl Jams right here on WJMS Media. There is no competition. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to WJMS Media. This is Sound Off with your girl Jams. I'm so excited to be with you you today. This topic is near and dear to my heart, especially since it's science related and you guys know how I feel about the science behind medical uh, situations and diagnoses. So that being said, I am really excited to bring these guests onto the show today. For those folks that are listening either via Facebook or through our YouTube page, this conversation doesn't have to end here. If you have questions or comments for any of our guests today, feel free to drop a comment in the box below and we will have a conversation with you either offline or we can touch base with you via email or whatever is the easiest way to get a hold of you. So feel free to comment, leave suggestions, love, you know, questions, whatever you guys may have. Feel free to leave it right there in the comments and we will definitely address it. Today's show is going to be about the Medical Explorers Program and CRISPR Classroom. And for those folks that don't know, I'm going to let them talk all about it. But first and foremost, I want to introduce the three lovely folks that I have on with me today. First and foremost, we have Barbara Foley. She grew up in Savannah, Georgia, which is, of course, where I am. Um, she received her undergrad degree in human biology with a teacher certification from the University of Wisconsin in Green Bay. She lives, uh, lived there for over 20 years and enjoyed a successful career as a media advertising account executive. She returned to Savannah in 1998 and into the field of education by obtaining her master's of education degree at Armstrong Atlantic State University while teaching at Thunderbolt Elementary and then also at Savannah Technical College until 2004. Since then, she's been exploring director for the Coastal Georgia Council, Inc., uh, Boy Scouts of America, where she has developed the Explorer Post-Career Education Program in middle school and high schools throughout the district. And Exploring is a co-educational career mentoring and career education uh, subsidiary of the Boy Scouts of America. 
Our second guest for today is Nefertari Strickland, and she is a cyber technology strategist. She's a podcast host, near and dear to my heart, of course, and an adjunct professor who serves her community through emerging technology initiatives in the K through 20 science, technology, engineering, and math uh, education department. She has a bachelor's in arts from in mass communications from Savannah State, a master in professional studies and information assurance and cybersecurity from the Pennsylvania State University and industry certifications as a certified ethical hacker. So folks, make sure your passwords are secure. <laughs> Project <laughs> management professional, uh, certified information system security professional, and a certificate in higher education teaching from Harvard University's Derek Box Center. Um, as a communications officer in the Pennsylvania National uh, Army National Guard, she directs the integration of fire support assets for combined arms operations. And she leverages her experiences as an Army officer and Navy contractor to lead STEM workforce initiatives. Uh, at the start of COVID, she launched the Teachers and Third Lieutenant podcast to support education stakeholders and navigate the future of uh, education. And right now she resides in Greater Philadelphia. And our last but not final guest is Dr. Chris Tatiosian, and she is a PhD uh, and a professional CRISPR scientist and education entrepreneur. She founded the CRISPR Classroom with a dream to improve science literacy and education in our country. Um, having received her bachelor's in science and entomology from UC Davis and her PhD in medical biology from the University of Southern California, her career highlights include designing CRISPR cures for HIV, uh, sickle cell disease, and training thousands of students around the world with her online CRISPR courses. Now, Dr. Chris focuses on bridging educators and scientists to empower student engagement in STEM, and she believes that science education, when told through stories from primary storytellers, has the potential to acutely uh, impact the passions and career trajectories of blooming minds. Uh, in her free time, she's an avid video gamer. I have a, lots of listeners who love video games, so I'm sure there may be some comments about that one. And she loves spending time with her wife and her family. And I am excited to welcome all three of these astoundingly certified and distinguished guests to my show. So good afternoon, ladies, and welcome. How are you today? Well, <laughs> listen, if I had any fear of public reading, y'all just put me to the, the serious test. Like, goodness gracious. <laughs> Hopefully I did okay. But I am so glad to have you folks with me today. I want to kick off this conversation because I know that you guys have an event coming up on the 21st of April, which is about a week away or so. And so, Barbara, I'm going to turn it over to you to talk about that event and the Medical Explorers program. Okay. Well, thank you. The event coming up on the 21st is our final meeting of the school year before the Medical Explorers have their graduation ceremony. And it will be held at one of the schools here in Savannah, Alfred Eli Beach High School. And it will combine uh, members from the Beach High School Medical Explorer Post and the Memorial Health Medical Explorer Post. Memorial Health is a big hospital here in Savannah and they've had long running Explorer Post uh, since it's actually the 23rd year of the Memorial Health Medical Explorer Post. And we've had one at Beach High School for about 15 years. Um, I've been with the Coastal Georgia Council for 18 years, and I started that one along with some other Explorer posts a couple years into working there. I also started an engineering Explorer post and a communications and marketing Explorer post that Nefertari volunteered with um, years back and helped me uh, get launched. And we also have uh, law enforcement and a law careers 
So each Explorer post focuses on a different career field and uh, high school students are able to join the post that lines up with the field that they believe they're interested in so they can explore that career. And that's where the name comes from and find out whether or not it is a fit. And, and before they get to college, before they make that commitment to a major, it gives them a chance to meet people in the field that they want to go into, to go to some colleges that offer the majors and uh, do some exploration and make some decisions before they graduate from high school. That's the main uh, purpose of the Explore Post program. So that's awesome. I didn't know you had all those different branches of it. And coming from someone who was undecided in college for, I wasn't undecided for that long. I kind of fell into my passion pretty soon in college, but I was undecided for a minute there and couldn't figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. What am I even good at? What am I interested in? You know what I mean? So that right there is critical because I mean, college is not cheap. And with student loans and student loan debt, you know, you really want to kind of be focused when you get in there so you can get in and get out, not waste any extra time. So, I mean, I just want to talk about that for a second, if you guys don't mind. So for the Explorer program, I mean, that's that's pretty major. I want to know if there's, you know, like, what is the criteria to be involved with it? You know, do students have to have certain GPAs? Is there a cost? Can you sort of break down? I don't know if each one is different, but if you can sort of break down what the uh, the logistics are for the, the Explorer program as a whole, um, I think that sure. the audience would love to hear it. Well, um, we do have a couple of programs that meet after school. They're the law enforcement explorer posts and any student in um, ninth grade and up can join that explorer post. And um, since it's after school, it operates a little differently from all the other explorer posts that I um, was tasked with developing as partnership program with the Savannah Chatham Public School System. So the programs that I meant, just mentioned, in, except for the law enforcement, law careers, communications and marketing, engineering and medical, all meet during the school day. And so because of that, the Savannah Chatham Public School System has asked me to make sure that uh, with, when I collect the application information from the students that uh, we also check their uh, GPA and disciplinary records and make sure they're on track for graduation. So uh, there's a couple of, of um, criteria that we look at. Um, but other than that, there's um, not too much. You don't have to be the class valedictorian to get in the program. That's one thing that, things that I really like about exploring is that um, it's not an exclusive program that you have to have a 99 GPA and up to get into. And it it's open to a lot more students than some of the specialized uh, opportunities that come along where basically the same students get picked over and over again to do special things. So that's one yeah. of the things I really like about it. So that's awesome. Yes, we do collect well, I, applications and um, okay. and select students for the next school year. I'm doing that right now. <laughs> so. I was going to ask you, what is that? Like, what's the window? You know, like, what's the application window and selection window and all that kind of stuff, if parents are curious? Now through early May, I'll be collecting applications and uh, the school, each school, each high school 
helps with that process. And um, if we do have any openings in the fall, I alert the schools and let them do a quick recruitment um, at the school level to fill the, the remaining openings. And exploring is also open to uh, middle schools, and that's a partnership with a school and an organization. And uh, we don't, we haven't had any since COVID that sort of disrupted that, uh, but hopefully that will come back as well. We had a wonderful STEM exploring club at one of the middle schools prior to the shutdown. So that may come back next year too. Okay. It's, it's operated a little bit differently, but it's similar in that it gives students a chance to explore careers and find out what they might be most interested in. That's awesome. And that's really exciting to hear. You know, I I wish there was something like that. I mean, I went to the, the Boston public school system. You know, I was up in Massachusetts, uh, born and raised up there. So I didn't we didn't have anything like that when I was uh, in school. It would have been nice to kind of explore because I feel like we only had we had public high school and then it was either that or you went to uh, like the trade school. You know what I mean? Like where you learn, you know, mechanical engineering, not mechanical engineering, but like being a mechanic and stuff like that. We didn't have like these kind of extracurriculars. So it's really good and refreshing to hear that this exists. I like that. So good job with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, Nefertari, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about your podcast, actually. And I know with the state of education right now with COVID and everything going on, uh, I know that things have been different, especially with people teaching remotely and hybrid learning and all this, you know, just there's just been a lot of of tumultuousness out there in the educational landscape. So I want to give you an opportunity to talk about that uh, before we go over to Dr. Chris for the CRISPR classroom. So can you sort of break down your podcast and where it came from and, and what exactly it does and stuff like that? Absolutely. So the podcast is called The Third Lieutenant. And the tagline is, uh, the degree is a 50 meter target. And that is because for service members, veterans and those currently serving, Higher education for us usually is a conversation around our GI Bill, attending classes, getting a degree, and then moving on with our life. Uh, there, there are very few conversations around how education plays a role in our success, right, for service members and veterans. And so as uh, the self-prescribed third lieutenant, this is a journey for me as I move through higher education. As you shared in the intro, uh, bachelor's degree from the illustrious Savannah State University, master's degree from Penn State University, and now I'm an adjunct at St. Joe's or St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. And so as I kind of do my own research to continue education, I also have conversations with others, uh, service members, veterans, and dependents of the military. Uh, and, and how education plays a role in their success journey. So when I moved to Savannah, Georgia, I was a military dependent. Both my parents are retired non-commissioned officers and I attended Savannah State University uh, as a uh, service member within the National Guard. So for me, thinking about how there wasn't really a community to embrace me as a dependent and a service member, I'm, I'm working on cultivating a culture around that. So the podcast, uh, a lot of great stories of service members sharing how education plays a role in their success. 
I love it. I absolutely love it. So where can people listen to it, find it, um, engage with it, all that good stuff? Absolutely. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, but definitely Apple on your uh, on your mobile phone and Acast is the the, the platform, but it's called The Third Lieutenant. Uh, and, and the name uh, comes from the time that I spent at Alfred Eli Beach High School. Uh, when I arrived at the, at the school, I had a, a decision in order to attend uh, to be in the medical magnet or the military magnet, and the military culture was just too easy for me. So I chose the, the military magnet, and they had a pilot's license program at the time. So I uh, signed on and received my pilot's license while attending high school before I actually received a driver's license. And uh, there's a story about third lieutenants in World War II that is a little, probably a little longer than, than this, uh, this session with us today to explain, but, but that's where the essence of it actually comes from. I love it. Okay. Well, at the end of the show, I'll make sure to uh, leave all this information in the comments so that if people want to engage and connect with you guys, they can, so that all that information will be there. But I want to turn it over to Dr. Chris now to talk about CRISPR Classroom. So Dr. Chris, let's talk about where this idea came from. I mean, you're getting all kinds of views on TikTok right now. You're almost like a little viral sensation, which is pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) You are. You have a lot of views. I mean, that's it's pretty exciting. So let's talk about it. How did this whole thing begin and and where did it come from? Yeah, absolutely. I guess let me let me hit you a question back. Do you know what CRISPR is, JV? Uh, so I know it's genetic biotechnology. That's oh nice. That's 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 a great place to start. That's a great place to start. (laughs) You can take it one step further. CRISPR is a genetic biotechnology that allows us to rewrite DNA. So imagine the diseases that are currently genetic, currently incurable. This type of technology allows us, gives us the opportunity for the first time to be able to rewrite our own genetics and potentially be able to cure these diseases. I'll give you an example. Sickle cell disease, you're born with it and you honestly, it's a terrible type of life to live. You have to Uh, You go through constant hospital visits and all of this due to one mutation in your entire genome, one DNA change, one mistake that you are born with and you are destined kind of for a life of pain and suffering. But what if we had the technology to cure that, to make that change? And that's the type of hope that CRISPR offers. And it goes beyond therapeutic applications to applications limited by your imagination in agriculture in animal husbandry, um, in biofuels, and improving climate, uh, cl- and improving the climate crises. And so CRISPR Classroom was really born out of the um, progress that this uh, CRISPR industry is experiencing right now. I'm a CRISPR scientist, and I have basically stepped out of the laboratory to ensure that our communities and our students in particular are well-informed about this technology, and most importantly, that they can meet and connect with the scientists who are actually progressing this and other advanced genetic technology um, work. So that's kind of how this whole trio of me, Nefertari, and Barbara came about with, of course, the Explorers' uh, mission to connect their students with Uh, professionals out in the field. And CRISPR Classroom, one of our uh, main kind of um, uh, programs is exactly that, to be able to connect students and educators to these professionals, these scientific professionals, scientists, biotechnology professionals in the field and form those human connections. So the students can better understand, oh, there is some awesome work going on in this space. And two, more importantly, I can be involved in that. 
look at the diversity of scientists involved in this and making that human connection is the seed, I think, that gets those students kind of gears turning that this is a life for me. More so than, you know, online courses, which we also provide. If you want to learn about CRISPR, you can definitely do that. But the thing that we're pushing now is those human connections, because we think that that's the seed to get kind of the, um, what did I call them? The students that are blooming minds. It's the seed yes. to be able to get that, to get that started. So very briefly, that's what CRISPR is and what we do at CRISPR Classroom. So as somebody with a elk positive lung cancer, which is a mm. totally genetic gene mutation in the lung cancer family, that's exciting. <laughs> and I am means, yeah, more than happy so much. to use DNA. If you Absolutely. Need it. it means so much to, and I think that, you know, talk about my TikTok a little bit. That's a little bit why I think we're growing so quickly is because everybody has a connection to a genetic disease, regardless of what mm -hmm. it is, whether you have it or someone in your family, somebody has it. And CRISPR, whether there is a certain cure or a treatment for each particular disease, what it does offer is hope that maybe one day myself or maybe my kids who I might pass this on to, that there is hope for them. And we want to make sure that people are educated enough such that we don't see a, um, like a stop on a technology with so much hope simply due to uh, you know poor science literacy, misinformation, miseducation. So we're going to get in there and make sure that people understand what this thing can do what it can't do and how it's being used ethically. So I want to ask about, so all of that sounds amazing. It sounds super complicated. And I want to know how this plays into the students. So I know that they're in a classroom with you. I guess this is a, this is a core, a course for them, right? Cause it seems like this is not somewhere you can just come in every couple weeks and spend an hour or two and then, you know, keep it moving. This seems like these, these students need to be invested in what they're doing to fully understand the science behind it. So can you talk a little bit about the experience that the students are getting within the CRISPR classroom and sort of what sort of things they're doing while they're in there? Absolutely. So being a startup, we're still building a bit of those programs to ensure that the students do have lasting and contained knowledge of this CRISPR technology. What we do right now is we focus more on those personal connections to scientists. So without delivering content to educators, instead being more of a uh, matchmaker, very similar to uh, the Explorers post where we match scientists to educators, school districts, schools, um, and provide basically guest lecture experiences. So in this case, it's going to be a CRISPR scientist, myself, visiting the Medical Explorers post, being hosted by teachers and Nefertari. Of course, thank you so much. Um, and so currently, we're that matchmaking service that services schools, districts, clubs, camps, summer programs, and gets scientists in front of those kids. Now you ask, where does the CRISPR content come in? Well, stay tuned. That's some work happening behind the scenes. <laughs> now, if oh, you're, so I don't... If you're a, oh, one thing. If you're a student out there, um, particularly like an undergrad, maybe even a high school student, and you do want to dive deep into learning about CRISPR right now, as I mentioned, we have online courses. You're welcome to jump into that and you get a uh, basically a, a, an experience learning about CRISPR, what it is in detail, how it works, how it's being applied. So if you're hungry and you don't want to wait for this type of content to enter your school, um, you are welcome to jump into an online course uh, self-directed and timed by you. So on April 21st for this event, what is that going to look like? I know it's 1.30 to 2.30. Is it, what are they going to be doing? Because that's the final, the final one for the year before their graduation. So what exciting <laughs> finale do you have planned for these students on the 21st? Yeah, well, no spoilers. Hashtag no spoilers. Yes, no spoilers. <laughs> 
what we've been doing in the past, we visited about so far about uh, 12 to 20 different classrooms all around the country, um, showcasing different scientists and speakers. And the way that it's run in the past, um, and the way that I'll plan it now is basically getting the scientist in front of them. This is a discussion and less so like a you know PowerPoint lesson that you would normally experience in, in school, especially because these students are very, um, you know, they're virtually tired, if that makes sense. They're craving that human connection. So what we offer in these, uh, these guest lectures, these visiting uh, from the scientists is a discussion with a professional. And one of the key things that we have kind of, um, imbued into it is to ensure that it is student-led. So very brief agenda of such a meeting would include, for example, an introduction by the scientist, uh, you know, their past, their present, what they currently do. And we coach our scientists to basically have some stories in the back of their head that they know is going to get student engagement. I'll give you an example. One of my go-to discussions that I love using with the students is a discussion involving the ethics of CRISPR technology. And I'll do this with, with you guys now. Um, so if you were to guess, let me back up. So there is this technology called uh, Luxturna. It's a gene therapy and you can inject it into your eye, not you, but you go to the doctor, you can get it injected into your eye and it is a form to improve a type of vision loss. So imagine you're losing your eye and there's this therapy out there. You can go and get it and it will improve your sight. Obviously you would want it, but now give me some guesses. How much does Luxturna cost? How much Way do you think it much. costs? Way too much, that's probably a good guess. Give me a number, what do you think Nefertari? $35,000 per 35? treatment, and it's a multiple series Okay, yeah. very, very specific. You know how to do this. Barbara, Barbara, what's your guess? How much does looks turn a cost? I was going to say $25,000. $25,000. Okay, no Jane, whammy. Give me, give me no a number. Whammy. Give me a number. What's your guess? I'm going to go, I'm going to like prices right this. I'm going to go high. I'm going to say $50,000 per application. $50,000. That's high. Okay. Are you guys ready for this? Looks turn it costs five hundred thousand dollars per eye. I would win. I win the microwave. It's a one-time <laughs> treatment, but it is a million dollar. And because most insurances still consider this as an experimental therapy, it is unlikely your insurance would help you pay for this. So then I talk. Of course, this is a story I'm telling to the kids. Then I ask the kids, "Do you know who's going to have to solve those problems?" You've got an interesting. They often say things like, oh, the government, the FDA. And I'm like, well, those are organizations. What people have to solve those problems? And the answer is you. All of you sitting in this room, that's your problem to solve. And so you have to work hard. You have to go to college if it's part of the career solution that you're intending to be able to solve these problems that are massive and big and not easy solutions. Like, how? I don't know how to solve that. I have a PhD. Does anybody know how to solve that problem in this room? No, but they're going to have to figure that out. So we walk them through experiences like this, real life discussions with professionals in the field who know what's happening and we do not shy away from highlighting those problems. That's the program. Wow. So no spoilers on that one, but- No spoilers is, on that one. <laughs> There's plenty of other problems to discuss. <laughs> $500,000 per, like that's insane. That's- Yeah. Jamie. Yes. Is it worth it? Is $500,000 worth your sight? Yes. I mean, how bad right? do you want to see? I mean, <laughs> it's like, can you put a price on losing a sense? You know, like how much is your sense of sight worth to you? Some people yeah. would say priceless. So yeah. 
You know, some people, I, I, I myself have asked myself these really annoying questions where you just like, are like, why are you thinking this stuff? Like, how would you rather lose your sense of sight or your sense of hearing? Neither, <laughs> you know, like I don't want to not be able to hear music ever again. And I don't want to ever not be able to see, you know, the ocean or the sun shining and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's priceless when you think about it. It's like, how much would you be willing to pay as much as I needed to to keep it? So, yeah, I mean, I guess on some level, yeah, it's worth it. Well, the, but the we got to fix that, though, or at least insurance should cover it like that. Yep. The reason I asked that question is because, you know, we're, I'm in the greater Philadelphia area. Chris is, Dr. Chris is on the West coast. You and Barbara are down Southeast in Savannah, Georgia, and everywhere in the country, if not the world, we're talking about diversity, equity, equity, and inclusion and mm -hmm. access. And this fundamentally is really what we're talking about. Like who has access to a sight and vision saving therapy? And because here in the greater Philadelphia area, there's like this push for precision medicine, like individualized treatment so that is just for Jamie. We sequence your, uh, your genome and determine what you need. And then there's a whole group, a whole work group of professionals that will create a therapy that will help you improve your quality of life, save your senses, maybe even save your life. Who has access to that? And just like Dr. Chris says, who's supposed to solve that? Like whose responsibility is it to go through K-12 education, higher education, through their, you know, their, their research studies and be able to provide these life-saving therapies? Like whose whose responsibility is that? And the answer that that she had said really is it's it's really us. It's everyone. So, so I know when I called Barbara about introducing her and her explorers to this technology, it wasn't just, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Chris, clustered regularly interspaced palindromic repeats. It just wasn't CRISPR. It's genomic <laughs> has this kind of expansive field that we don't have the workforce in place for that our middle schoolers and our high schoolers today, we have to prepare them for the rigor of PhD research studies and then putting this in practice. So our investment today is what's gonna make these therapies available to me, you, Dr. Chris and Barbara 10, 20, 30 years from now. Absolutely. And I think we're working at like the, the edge, like the front of that, because the first step before deciding the PhD, deciding anything is just awareness making sure that the kids understand here are the fields, here is CRISPR. And more importantly, if you want to do CRISPR, you know, you can work in agriculture, you can work with vet veterinary medicine, you can work with people, you can work with the climate crisis. It's like oh, an, a, a Nobel Prize winning technology because of all of those applications. So the students need to have awareness of the technology, but two, also the opportunities of what jobs are, are out there. Because, you know, in reality, scientists are portrayed as, you know, the nerd, the lab coat, they're in the lab. But in reality, biotech professionals who have PhDs, they span all types of different career avenues from working at marketing, uh, uh, marketing jobs in biotech companies or business development or social media management. And as part of this CRISPR Classrooms uh, Muta Scientist program, we put these professionals who are working in the biotech industry, who may be marketers, who may be graduate students in front of the students so that they see, oh, here's all of the different careers in this field and learn about all the different technologies that these individuals are working with. 
Yeah. And I think that we, we sometimes do a disservice to children when we, I mean, it's good that we encourage them, you know, they want to be the basketball player, they want to be the rapper, they want to, you know, do all of those things. But I think that when we don't encourage them to have a plan B, or when we don't show them the big picture behind all of those different careers that they're interested in, so they can see exactly what you said, Dr. Chris, that there are many different roles within that industry that you can be in that sometimes will actually make you more money than what you originally wanted to do. I think that we do a disservice to students and to children when we don't show them the bigger picture because we could be, you know, helping them miss something that could be a true spark for their their excitement. You know what I mean? And the fact that we're, we're experiencing or giving these kids these experiences early on so that once, you know, kids are sponges, once they get experience in something or once they start to, to look at something and start to dissect it and, and really understand it and get interested in it, they will dive down that rabbit hole. And, you know, they are the ones that are the most passionate when they grow up because they started their love for something early on. And I think that, you know, it's just, it's exciting to hear you talk about the different avenues and the different types of fields that, that students can go into just based on being a scientist and how you experience or how you, you expose the children to that so that they can understand that there is more to it than just white lab coats, you know, and, and microscopes. Um, I sure. think that that's really important. So that's, that's really awesome work that you're doing. No, thank you so much. I mean, I barely understood that lesson until maybe two years ago where I entered the job market. I had my PhD, still no idea what jobs were available to me. Obviously, that's yeah. a problem. Obviously, yeah. that's a problem. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. We put too much yeah. emphasis on the front of the the front of the lines, folks, and not enough emphasis on the behind the scenes, folks. That sometimes mm -hmm. are the ones pulling the strings. Well, I was going to share that 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 is a problem. That is a problem mm -hmm. of, of how much time, Dr. Chris, and money, frankly, that's invested in our education and preparedness to enter the workforce, and then we still arrive and are unaware of what our options are and our options and our choices are limited in many times by our network, what yeah. networks, what that we're included, you know, back to that inclusion again. And I'll say that my career and all the different experiences and skill sets that I have had did not exist when I graduated from beach high school. It just didn't exist. Right. So being able to identify where opportunity lives and how to communicate with people, network and take advantage of, of those emerging technologies is what I've kind of become a maverick in. And so attending school at Beach High School, right? Getting a pilot's license, third lieutenant, right? Now I'm an advisor to a drone training company, which again was a, a job, a role, and a skill set that didn't exist. Yeah. Entering uh, the National Guard as a computer systems analyst at the age of 17 through the JROTC program at Beach High School prepared me to be a cybersecurity technologist, right? Again, cybersecurity didn't exist <laughs> when, when I was at Beach High School. So, so yeah, it, I think it's really important. Students at Beach can't necessarily uh, get on pathways through uh, Georgia Southern or Savannah State for CRISPR, not really sure what's available, but that's not that's not the kind of the beaten path. But again, if, if they commit themselves to their biology classes right now, it'll better prepare them. And now they'll know it. Why am I committing my time? Why am I committing my attention? Right? There are video games to play. Well, you want to pay attention to this because this is what might improve the quality of life for your grandmother, right? After you learn about how 
learning this could positively impact the people that you love. And I think that this is not necessarily unrelated, but I will say too, you know, to go along with what you said, um, the the drone sort of field, which is very much a new field at this point. I was watching a documentary on the creation of the new movie that's out right now called Ambulance. And the one of the directors was talking about, he literally is in charge of operating the drone camera for the movie and trying to get different angles and stuff like that, that otherwise haven't been captured in movies before, like right underneath the police cars are coming up over a hill and, you know, going up the top of a building and spinning around and coming down on the other side. And it's just funny that, you know, it, the other thing is, is just keeping your options open because you never know what kind of technology could develop mm -hmm. down the line. You never know what jobs may you might be positioning yourself for later on in the future. So the other thing I, you know, whenever I get the opportunity to talk to students, I always make sure that I tell them to keep their options open, you know, keep a, an open mind for opportunities that come your way, because you never know when you might be putting together a puzzle that is a totally different picture than what you envisioned, but it's way better than what you originally thought of in the first place, you know? So I just think that it's what you just said was spot on with, you know, being poised and ready for things that didn't exist at the time, but now they are a major part of life. Yeah. True. So I wanted to, I wanted to ask you a specific question, Dr. Chris. And, you know, I was curious because I was reading through the CRISPR research and stuff like that. And you talk about how you can use CRISPR to solve food shortage crises around the world. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit as well as climate change. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how CRISPR technology can actually facilitate that. Absolutely. Um, let's start with food shortage crises. <clears throat> so currently there are, um, I mean, plants, they're an organism, they have DNA, they tend to have lots of problems, especially when we as humans are trying to cultivate them in, in mass, we'll say. And so wouldn't it be fantastic if these plants that we are growing could be um, resistant to pets or resistant to heat? or uh, better able to take up nutrients or grow faster or be more healthy. Well, now with CRISPR technology, we have the ability to make those changes on a faster time scale than what we've been able to do in the past. Now there are ethical concerns. And if we look from a historical perspective on patented seeds and you know, particularly companies in the past like Monsanto, this has been uh, had a negative influence on farmers. And so it'll be very interesting to see how CRISPR technology and in the future with companies like Monsanto and Monsanto included, how they're able to provide these benefits to solve these big world global problems, but in ways that values all the stakeholders, the farmers, the people who eat the food, the people who make and manufacture the food, et cetera. Not to mention all of the buzz around GMO technology, you know, people not wanting to eat this type of food, um, which, of course, we're in America, that is absolutely their right. And, you know, the beauty of living in a free market. But again, mm -hmm. it's more things to consider about the advancements of this technology and how it affects everybody involved. So that's one potential way or many potential ways that potentially food shortage crises can be solved using uh, CRISPR. And there was a second part to that question. What was the second part, Jamie? Food shortage? Uh, and mitigating climate change. Oh, climate change. Yeah, that's a very interesting one. So the two things that come to my head is first in the improved development of biofuels. So right now, um, it's actually an Exxon subsidiary, subsidiary company, I believe, called Synthetics Genomics. 
and they are using CRISPR technology or other engineering technologies like CRISPR to modify algae and have them uh, you know, produce the type of biofuels in a much more efficient way that is potentially able to be scalable and replace our reliance on fossil fuels. So biofuels with genetically engineered algae. algae. The second one, which is I think is insanely cool and actually kids love to learn about it, is uh, there's a com company called Colossal Biosciences the founder, um, his name is George Church, and you know you've made it when the field gives you like a moniker. His name, he's the either the father or the grandfather of modern genetic medicine, and he's still alive. So you know the man's pretty important. He founded this company, Colossal Biosciences, with the vision and the technology to bring back a woolly mammoth hybrid organism, set it free in the plains of the Arctic in a way to um, recreate ancient environments and help mitigate uh the warming climates i mean it's sci-fi stuff but this <laughs> is literally companies that students can actually go to college and then work at these are realities yeah. that are actually out there it's crazy right barbara so kids love <laughs> hearing about this i would say equally to the amount of the teachers and the educators who are also sitting in that classroom I, the questions that we get we get from both sides every time that we come and present scientists into their classrooms because it's crazy right like yeah. <laughs> this is what's interesting oh. and i couldn't believe this and i am not sure if i trust google <laughs> let me just say that <laughs> so to the united states the earthworm is an invasive species hmm. i distinctly remember being taught that the earthworm moves through the ground you know uh, dirt goes in what comes out the the the, the back end kind of fertilizes the soil and the, the worms aerate the soil. But in fact, the earthworm is invasive to this continent and came over with the colonists in plants. <laughs> Blows my mind because how often does it rain and you see the worms when you okay. go outside? So over how many hundreds of years has the, the arch, uh, excuse me, um, the agricultural landscape been slowly modified. So you were saying that gentleman, godfather of genetic, yes, <laughs> moniker, um, is saying, uh, you know, we can look at like ancient civilizations and, and kind of turn the clock back. And I make the connection, if we can here, about the different types of corn that we have heard about that no longer exists because we, we have kind of this, this, this uh, one type of corn now that's so plentiful. So there's, to me, a scary part to this technology when we start modifying things, but what about just looking at what's here and the diversity of what's here and learning you know, some insights from that and empowering our young people to do so? Because they, have, they, have, they still have the, the creative mind that some of us have lost. What's Absolutely. possible? if we lend them our technology. I'm excited. And you bring up a good point, Nefertiri. And I want to ask, you know, Dr. Christus, and this is something we talked about before the show this afternoon. Uh, this is scary. This technology is scary. We've all seen Jurassic Park. You know, they go bigger, <laughs> they go scarier. We've seen all the Outbreak movies. The Outbreak monkey comes out, infects everybody. You know, they, they make them bigger, faster, stronger, and then they always take over the country or the world. And we're like, oh, no, what have we done? So 
I want to talk a little bit about the detractors of your science and how many people, you know, have something negative to say about what you're doing and sort of how you're flipping it back and educating them about how, okay, yes, we've all seen the movies, but this is not movie, this is real life. And this is how our science is different from what Steven Spielberg has put out, you know, for the last 20,000 years in the movies. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the people that have given you a hard time about CRISPR and what you guys are doing? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, if you are an adult and you are an individual who has stopped being a lifelong learner, there is little to no hope to change your perspectives about CRISPR. That's the reality of the situation. And that's what we come up across with our TikTok accounts and Instagram and social media accounts all the time. And I've learned my lesson. You do not engage with those types of individuals. There is there's basically no turning back. So how do we stop ourselves from growing that type of population? I don't mean the type of population that understands CRISPR, but still thinks that we should not be using it. That's a different type of person. But the type of people who prevent themselves from learning about it in the first place, who bring their preconceived biases to a conversation that they know zero about, but with hard and fast decisions pre-made. So the way that I think that we solve that problem, to be honest, is we ignore the adults. It's too late for them. The only way yeah. to be actually change this is to be able to target our kids and, and our students and allow them, you know, not, not a brainwash, you have to love CRISPR, but allow them the opportunity to make those decisions themselves, to empower them with the abilities to think critically about these incredible technologies that may or may not create solutions, but also more complex problems. And so that's my solution to the detractors. If you're an adult, I will ignore you. If you are a kid, I'm here to help. <laughs> that's how you have to be sometimes honestly yeah. you know there's always going to be somebody out there hating you just got to ignore it and move past it. you got to have a little bit of a thick skin you know when you become somebody who people look up to or somebody who you know is a researcher or a scientist or you know anybody really with an opinion on the internet nowadays you got to have a thick skin um, because people are going to come at you from all different angles and so I'm glad mm -hmm. to hear that you know you don't let it get to you and that you you know you're, you're still full steam ahead um, and still engaged in helping the students so, you know, Barbara and Nefertiti, I want to ask either of you if you've seen, you know, mostly you, Barbara, because you're you're in charge of the Explorers program. Based on what Dr. Chris is doing, have you seen an uptick in kids that are interested in STEM technology now? And even maybe for you, Nefertiti, you might be able to answer this as well. But have you guys seen an uptick in students interested in science, technology, engineering, and math since, you know, working with CRISPR? I, I've definitely seen it uh, over the last few years, even before I uh, was introduced to CRISPR. Um, the students are gravitating towards those careers. They've already been told in middle school and um, into going into high school that the future careers that uh, are the most lucrative are going to be in the STEM fields. A lot of them are already very interested in computer science, and that's a part of a lot of the STEM careers. So I've already been seeing that, but um, when I sent out the email to the students and their parents inviting them to this meeting, and I uh, put a link to the uh, article that uh, we sent out a press release and one of the local newspapers, the Savannah Tribune, po um, published the article about uh, this upcoming event on the 21st. And so I, I sent the students the link and I'm sure the parents read it too. A lot of them probably did. And uh, I got quicker responses and 
more positive responses than usual. <laughs> so I know they're excited and looking forward to this meeting. A lot of students answered all, the email almost immediately saying, I'll be there. And a lot of times I, I won't hear anything until I've sent out the reminder. Uh, but a lot of students answered right away. And that tells me that uh, they are excited about it. And um, I gave them the option to log in virtually if they weren't able to make it to Beach High School, because some of them go to other schools and some of the schools are farther away than, than others from Beach High School. So I did give them the option and all of them are planning on being there so far. <laughs> so, and I also got good responses from a lot of our um, administrators uh, that want to log in as well. Uh, such as the uh, work-based learning supervisor and the director of career technical education. Um, I've sent them the link and I anticipate that it, some of the people in administration with the school district will be logging in as well. They know, I think, I can't say enough about Savannah Chatham Public School System as far as um, being great partners um, for the benefit of students when it comes to career education here in Savannah. I think it's uh, much more of an emphasis than it must be in other parts of the country because exploring is a national program. And um, I know in a lot of places in, around the country, they're not doing what we're doing here in Savannah. And a lot of it has to do with that partnership that Savannah Chatham Public Schools has uh, valued and worked with me on and helped me continue. So um, we're excited. It's it's going to be great. Can't wait. <laughs> I mean, I can promise you, Barbara, we are going to put on a show. Um, I, did not, I did not realize before this call that it was the last meeting of your medical explorer. So we're definitely going to take that edge to make sure that it's a celebration for the students, for all the parents, for all the admin that log into to the CRISPR classroom, meet a scientist event for the explorers. Okay, good. <laughs> there, we go. there we go. So Barbara, you already answered the question that I was getting ready to ask you. And that was, you know, is this program expanding? Is it in other locations and stuff like that? It sounds like, like you said, it's national, uh, but it sounds like Savannah is sort of a, a best practice of how to actually run this program. And just based on the conversation I've had with you ladies today, I would probably move to say, yeah, sounds like Savannah is kind of leading the way on that. I think but, so. <laughs> yeah. And in, in terms of CRISPR, you know, Dr. Chris, are you planning on, you know, any expansions? Are you working with any other Explorer programs or anything like that? Or what are the future plans for CRISPR aside from world hunger and, you know, world peace? <laughs> well, the future plans for CRISPR are to continue improving the world. It is the same for CRISPR Classroom. And so we intend to grow our reach through partnerships and connections like everybody sitting in this room and ensure that schools, teachers, school districts, programs, after school camps have access to invite, have access to biotechnology professionals to invite them to speak with their students. And, and as I've been saying, humanize that profession. And we are very proud to actually be uh, partnering with the explorers to be able to provide this type of live content, human content to those students. And I will say you guys are the leaders for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> some competition for some others. Yeah. <laughs> Nefertari, anything that coming up on the horizon for you that you want to share with the audience? Any yeah. expansions or events or anything like that? Really just continuing to work to support education focused entrepreneurs like Dr. Chris, 
with CRISPR Classroom, creating awareness of the great work they're doing and helping them scale. Because what Dr. Chris was saying about biotechnology, it really is bigger than CRISPR. CRISPR lives in an ecosystem that uh, is emerging for us in what some refer to as the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. So what you were talking about earlier in terms of the spike in participation and are we seeing that, what's happening with the vaccines for COVID based on research with mRNA technology and CRISPR is being used, of course, Dr. Chris is the expert here, but CRISPR is being used in some of the enhancement therapies as we look to, you know, how do we continue to manage this virus? And then with, again, cell and gene therapy, telemedicine, blockchain technology. It's it's all it's all a part of an ecosystem that we have to start conversations around first, educate ourselves, become knowledgeable where so we can make informed decisions. So if nothing else, I would encourage families to have conversations around this technology. You don't have to edit any genes. And I think one of the most valuable things Dr. Chris can share before you close out is that CRISPR in itself is naturally occurring. Like that repeat in your genomic sequence is naturally recurring. And it's just something that someone through research observed and now is, is, is um, I don't want to say taking advantage of, will be the right, what, what will be the right way to describe it, Dr. Chris? Um, I, I get what you're getting at. And I think that this is the root definition of what biotechnology is that most people don't understand. Why not just biology? Why not just technology? Why is it the interwoven biology technology? And the answer is simple. It's because all of the tools used in bio biotechnology were once just biology. They're just nature out in the world. CRISPR's origins, it's a protein found in bacteria that protects them against viruses that might invade. And so the first scientists that were studying this did not have the idea to, you know, they did not know the explosion that it was going to create. They were studying bacteria in a laboratory. And the next thing they knew, they understood, oh, this is the power of this technology. If we re-engineer it to be able to work in mammalian cells or in plant cells or in animal cells, which evolution did not intend, but we came in and turned it into biotechnology to be applied in all of these different areas. Absolutely. Well, ladies, this has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. I'm really excited. And it, look, I'm, I, can I join your event on the 21st? Can I like watch it or something or join I'll it? Do, why not? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. I want to I medically explore. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, I do want you guys to, to send me that link and I'll make sure that it gets out for folks to register to attend if that's okay with you guys. And, you know, we'll make sure that we get as many eyes on it as possible. But in the meantime, I want to give you all the opportunity to shout out your contact information. If people want to get a hold of you or connect with you in any way, shape or form, and also any last closing thoughts you may have for the conversation. And, you know, Barbara, we'll start with you. Okay. Well, my email address is uh, my first name dot last name at scouting.org. So it's pretty easy. Barbara.foley at scouting.org. And I appreciate Nefertari so much for always keeping exploring in mind, always keeping me in mind. Uh, if it weren't for her, I, I wouldn't be able to offer this awesome opportunity for the medical explorers. And she's just always been that way. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, she volunteered with the communications and marketing explorer post when she lived here in Savannah. And 
um, that's how we got to know each other. And um, I just think I'm excited about this new opportunity. And I, I know a lot of our uh, students are going to benefit from it. And it, it may spark some new um, career goals for some of our students, put it that way. So okay. thank you, Chris, too. I'm excited and this is going to be great. <laughs> Absolutely. And so uh, it, did you want to give the contact information for the medical explorers or should they email you to get a hold of you for that? If they email me, I will send them um, the link to the Google form uh, where they can requ request an application. Okay, sounds good. And if Terry, you're up next. Why, thank you. So if you want to reach out to me, I would say LinkedIn is, is absolutely my, my social media platform of choice. So you could follow me there. Uh, Nefertari Strickland Teachers and is the education consultancy, but the website is teachersand.com. Uh, and again, grateful to Savannah and Alfred Eli Beach High School for supporting the Explorers. Barbara, you know, you are near and dear mm -hmm. to my heart. And thank you to Tanya Milton at the Tribune, Stacey Jennings at the school district for being amazing about creating awareness. And I'm really excited to see the feedback from the students and the educators to what Dr. Chris and CRISPR Classroom shares. So again, Savannah, I appreciate you. Absolutely. All right. And last but not least, Dr. Chris, uh, go ahead and give your contact information and where folks can find you. Check out your TikTok and get in touch if they're interested in dealing with CRISPR Classroom. Yeah. Contacting me on social media is probably the easiest thing to do. My handle on all accounts, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at CRISPR Classroom. So just like how it's spelled over here, but there's no <laughs> space, no space in between at CRISPR Classroom. Um, and uh, you can reach out to me through messaging on any of those platforms. And most importantly, if you are looking to bring scientists and biotechnology professional, professionals into your classrooms to meet your students into your camps, we are just going live today, maybe one hour ago, with that webpage on our, uh, on our, on our website that you can actually book visits with scientists. That website is www.crisperclassroom.org. And the last thing I'll say is a big thank you for hosting us, the Explorers, Barbara, and a huge thank you uh, to Nefertari and Teachers Anne for really just being a champion of CRISPR Classroom for so many months now and for making this connection to the Explorers. None of this, this room, none of it would have been possible without Nefertari and Barbara. So thank you so much to you both. And of course, Jamie. Absolutely. And I want to thank all of you guys for being with me today and sharing all this information. It's really exciting what you're doing, Dr. Chris, especially from somebody who could potentially benefit from, you know, the the cures that you put forward with your research and your science. I really am excited and I am a big supporter in any way, shape or form that you need. So I'm um, just really, really looking forward to seeing what you guys do going forward. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Again, if you have questions, comments, thoughts, um, feel free to drop them in the chat, either on YouTube or Facebook. I will absolutely relay them to the guests, or you can connect with them via the information they just gave you. I'll be sure to give that and leave that on our main page. So if you follow us on our social media or on any of our streaming platforms, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, Google, Apple, Spotify, all of the ways you can, you know, take in your con your podcast podcasts. 
you'll be able to get a hold of them and also get uh, leave comments and comments and questions and things like that. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in. We'll be back again with another new episode. Until then, everybody stay safe. And if you need anything from WJMS Media or any of the folks below, make sure you check out our social media, WJMS Media, for more information and to get in touch with the ladies that you see here. Again, thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to WJMS Media, where media is reimagined. You can check us out on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Also check out our website at www.wjmsradio.com. And we also have a newsletter so you can subscribe and be up to date on everything. 